like to have you look in your book, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 33. Isaiah chapter 33. I'm going to read a portion of scripture in a moment, and I'm going to tell you a story uh, that's true. I've sought for documentation, and I have uh, garnered it over the years, and so what I'm going to tell you, and then what it's talking about you, and you know it's true. But I want to talk to you about this topic uh, tonight, and I pray that God would deal with hearts and help people to see their need of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's have a prayer, and we'll begin our reading when we do in Isaiah 33 and verse number 13, but I'd like to pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the ladies that sang, really two wonderful men uh, wrote both of those great songs back in the 20th century and they've had an impact and I suppose will until you come and take us out of this world. We thank you for them. We pray that you bless in this hour. I pray if there be anyone in the room that's not a Christian, never truly been born again, that tonight would be the night that they would realize their need of Christ and their consequence and the consequences of not receiving Christ. I pray it would be very plain and simple and yet anointed and empowered and blessed by the Spirit of God. I'm going to ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah 33 and 13. Hear ye that are far off what I have done, and ye that are near acknowledge my might. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burning? The prow of the ship Calypso sliced her way through the azure waters of the Atlantic. On board was the crew of the famous fortune hunter and diver extraordinaire Jacques Cousteau. He had searched the seas for treasure. He had sounded most of the coast of Florida and the Gulf of Mexico. He had now decided to discover the magical mystique of the Bermuda Triangle. The Bermuda Triangle is the place where it is the deepest spot in all of the Atlantic Ocean. Back in those days, he entered a diving bell. Over the side of the ship he went. And deeper than any man had ever gone up until that time. A warning bell sounded on deck, screamed its alarm to raise him safely and quickly as possible. When he arrived at the top, the, and they brought that diving bell over on deck. The water was running there. They undid the hatch. He did not leap out like he had at other times. Gentleman looked in, his eyes 
Cousteau's eyes were wide with shock. What happened? What, 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 what happened? He was speechless. There was silence. What did you see? What? He said, it's not what I saw, but it's what I heard. Deeper than any man had ever gone at that time. He said, I heard what sounded like the wailing of tormented souls. I heard what sounded like the sobbing and screaming of people in most horrible torment. You say, Brother Green, do you think that he heard the voices of the damned? I do not know. But I know this. There is a hell. There is a hell. I have a piece of newspaper in front of me. I went to Google yesterday and wanted to see if the statistics were still the same. But they're really worse. Only 58% of the people in America believe there even is a hell. Only 58% even believe there is a hell. I know there is a hell. Jesus said there was a hell. In Matthew 5 and 22, he warned people that they were in danger of hell fire. In Matthew 23 and 33, he said, Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how shall ye escape the damnation of hell? God says there's a hell. In Proverbs 27 and 20, hell and destruction are never full. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 32 and 22, the fires shall burn to the lowest hell. I believe that man's sins require a place called hell. Psalms 9 and 17 says, the wicked shall be turned into hell. Now the setting for the scripture that we read tonight, Hezekiah is king. His nation, nation is besieged by a man by the name of Sennacherib. They are defeated. Uh, he's forced to pay tribute. 30 talents of gold and 300 talents of silver, which would be uh, millions of dollars today. Hezekiah pays, he pays rather reluctantly. Again, Sennacherib comes to conquer and Judah tries to hire Egypt. And they send a message to Sennacherib, I guess trying to get him to hold off. And they said, we have hired Egypt. Sennacherib laughs. We've already defeated them. He has a general by the name of Rabshakeh and he sends this derisive message and he spreads it out, Hezekiah does, before the Lord. And interestingly enough, God gives Isaiah the answer. Hezekiah goes to Isaiah for this advice and in the middle of the night, Isaiah gets the answer. It's recorded in 2 Kings chapter 19, 
verses 35 through 37. God solves the problem in but one night's work. Did he slit throats? No. Was it arrows and spears? Not a chance. In Isaiah chapter 33 and verse number 12, which we've already read, tells us, and the people shall be as the burnings of lime, as thorns cut up, shall they be burned in the fire. God sends judgment on the enemies of Israel and Judah by fire. My message is very simple tonight. God's judgment comes by fire. Now, who in the Bible went to hell? I think Cain went to hell. Cain wanted a religion without blood. There is no remission of sins without the shedding of blood. For Ephesians 1 and 7 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, according, I love this, according to the riches of his grace. Korah went to hell. He wanted a religion without a mediator. There is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The rich young ruler went to hell. He wanted a religion without sacrifice. Thank God there is one sacrifice that has been made when Jesus gave his life's blood on Calvary, enough blood to save every sinner on this planet tonight. Balaam wanted a religion without the supernatural. Ahab went to hell. He wanted a religion without separation. Belshazzar went to hell. He wanted a religion without reverence for holy things. The thief on the cross, the one on the left went to hell. He wanted a religion without repentance. Pilate went to hell. He wanted a religion without truth. He he asked the question in John 14, what is truth? And truth was embodied right in front of him. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Pharisee in Luke chapter 18 went to hell. He wanted religion without the righteousness of God. I'll say this to you tonight. If you're a sinner sitting here this evening, you can do without a lot of things in this life, but you can't do without old-fashioned salvation in the next life. Without Jesus Christ, without his forgiveness. Then who in history went to hell? I think Hitler and Mussolini and Stalin and Lenin and Dillinger and Capone and Manson and Speck and Gacy and Bundy and Hussein and and, uh, Castro, they'll, they'll all be there in hell. Do you ever think about this? If you're a sinner sitting here tonight, what your company will be like in hell? The rapists, the murderers, the sodomites, the deviates, the whoremongers. All throughout eternity. More important tonight, and I think of great relevance, is the question that was asked in our text tonight, who 
among us? Who among us shall dwell in the fire? Who among us? Who's sitting in the pews of Bible Baptist Church on this Thursday night in May will die and go to hell because of your rejection of Jesus Christ? Who among us? Who among us? I think you can find the, the answer in the Bible. The Bible tells very descriptively, I think, and definitively in Revelation 21 and 8, who will go to hell? The Bible says there that the fearful. A lot of people are afraid of what their friends might think. They're afraid of the guys at work. They, they're afraid of the ladies over at the grocery store. They're afraid of uh, the fellows in the neighborhood. They're afraid of their schoolmates, young people are. The fearful will find their place in the lake of fire that burneth forever and ever and forever and ever. Afraid of the censure of the world. And the Bible says the unbelieving, those that will not believe the clear promises of God Almighty, the clear teachings of the Bible, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He didn't say you might be saved. He didn't say if you work some things out down the road of life. It said you shall be saved. You will be saved. The unbelieving, the abominable, the vilest of sinners. To take a little trip backward about three to five minutes, all the wicked, vile, godless sinners that you have ever heard of will be in hell. And so will you if you die without Jesus Christ as your Savior. Sitting here in a comfortable, bu comfortable building, padded pews and carpet on the floor, die and go to hell because you will not believe what Jesus said. You will not accept Christ as your Savior. You would rather have your pound of flesh. You would rather have your few minutes of worldly pleasure than have Jesus Christ, his salvation, his redemption, his forgiveness. Said the murderers, all murderers will find their place in the lake of fire. Now, murder is homicide. That's when a man kills another person, another human being. There's uh, suicide. That's when an individual would take their own life. There's fratricide. That's when someone would kill a family member. You say, well, I've never done that. I have no intention of doing that. I, I'm not going to be that kind of a sinner. I, I'm not a murderer. I would say to you this evening, if you think about it seriously, every single one of us in this room, every single human being that has ever disgraced this planet with their presence has an indictment against them for deicide. For we put Jesus Christ on the cross. Our sins... Our sins were the reason that he died on Calvary. 
You think about, you take a trip down memory lane and think about the sins that you've committed in your life. Lying, cheating, cussing, etc., and etc., and etc. You multiply that by all the people on this planet. All the sins, there's nearly 8 billion of us now. I don't know how many billions have been on this planet in its time. But all of that sin was born on the cross. He bore in his own body our sins on the cross. My soul. I don't know. I don't know if it even really makes any sense. But if somehow this great uh, Chattanooga, northern uh, Georgia area, if you could somehow, you know, they want to vaccinate everybody. But what if somehow uh, a needle could do an extraction? And we could go to every person in this great metropolitan area. And we could extract, extract with a, with a needle and, a, and some tubes and, and great vats and semi-trucks filled with, uh, take all of the goodness out of every person in this great area. And we could transplant it, somehow inject it, vaccinate that little fella sitting right there on the front row. And so he would become multiplied goodness of all the people in this great community, he would not, that would not garner him one second in heaven. That would not give him one ounce of redemption if he was the finest, this is not good English, I'll say it better, the most good of all people in this whole area. Our righteousness garners us nothing. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Think about it, friend. All whoremongers. Lester Roloff said this. He said, evolution has taught people that they're monkeys. And then we wonder why they live like animals. If you know your Bible in our day, Romans chapter 1 has come to life. The abominations, sins, you, don't, you wouldn't even mention them in a church house. So vile, so wicked, satanically induced, I think. And then sorcerers. Some people think that's witchcraft. Other people think it's that drugs. I think either one of them, you're in serious trouble. All sorcerers and all idolaters who worship everything but God Almighty. There's people that go to our churches, they worship their boats. You say, how do you know that? Well, they, that's where they are every Sunday. They worship their cabin on the lake. They worship their jobs. They worship their careers. 
They worship their wives. They worship their cars. They worship their children. You put anything before God, you are an idolater. And all liars. And all liars. You know what I think the biggest lie is most people tell themselves? That they don't really have a need. They're perfectly all right just like they are. I talked to a preacher on the telephone today. He told me about, he's got a brother-in-law. I've preached for his brother-in-law. His preacher, uh, brother-in-law can't preach anymore. He's got a strange form of dementia. And he's very, he's had to step away from the pulpit and he hasn't preached I don't know how many years and if he tells you a story it's over and over and over and over and over again the same story but he told me about that man just in the past few weeks or so he'd been witnessing to a lady Catholic lady up in her 90s and she she could not she said I believe you're telling me the truth but I can't I just can't wrap my mind around the fact that all of my family members have gone to hell. My mother, my dad, my husband, my brothers and sisters. I, I just can't handle that. I can't figure it out. It's beyond me. And just the other day, within the last couple, three weeks, he went back to the old folks' home where she was. Here he is. He doesn't even hardly have his own mind. His wife took him, sat there and witnessed to that lady. And she said to him, finally, I'm, whatever happened to those in the past, I don't want it to happen to me. And he led her to Jesus Christ. Amen. Now here's a man who doesn't even have all of his faculties. But he's got a Bible. And he's got that same old message that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. All of those eight people those eight individuals, those eight characteristics shall have their part in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You know, I think one of the problems is there's no fear of God. We've made God kind of a good buddy. And he is gracious and kind and loving. You die without Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you're going to see the God of the Bible. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse number 10 said, And so I saw the wicked buried, who had come and gone from the place of the holy. That's always been an interesting verse to me. I've been going to church a long time. I got saved 51 years ago plus. And I've seen people come. I, I, there's a man's name in my mind. I would never call it. He attended my father's church for decades. Never got saved. Never got saved. I can think of another man in my mind right now who went to my father's church for decades. And three days before he died, the guy that ran the rescue mission led him to Jesus Christ. That's cutting her pretty close, friend. Zechariah chapter 7 is very descriptive. 
verse number 11. But they refused to hearken and pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone. Lest they shall hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts hath sent in his spirit by the former prophets, therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. Therefore it has come to pass that as he cried and they would not hear, so they cried and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. That's a terrible place to get to, friends. I had a friend of mine, his mother died and uh, down in Union, Mississippi, and he called me and asked me if I'd preach the funeral. And I said, well, I guess I'd be glad. And I went down to Jackson and rented a car and drove up to Union. And he met me at the funeral home. And we went in and observed his mother's remains. And then we went over to the pastor's house to have a meal. And on the way, I thought it strange that why isn't her pastor preaching the funeral? I knew the lady, her son was a good friend of mine, but I I couldn't quite figure it out. And my friend said, well, the pastor's wife, we're going to have dinner over there tonight. And so we went over there. You talk about a country dinner now. There were three or four different kinds of meat. There were seven or eight different kinds of vegetables. There was iced tea. There was three or four different kinds of desserts. There was enough there to feed 15 or 20 people, and there's just three of us. And in the course of eating, I just, I said to her, I said, where's your husband? And she said, well, he's got some things to do. And I said, I'm curious, uh, what is he doing in the funeral? She said, he, he can't do anything, preacher. I said, what do you mean he can't do anything? We were sitting in that little country home. She said, see that bedroom right there? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, "Uh, you see that bedroom right over there? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, just the other day, my husband's mother died in that bedroom. And she said, just a a little bit before that, we took care of his brother, and, and he died all within the last few weeks. And she said the worst thing. She said, we have a wayward boy. And we were coming home one night, and there were, we saw fire trucks and ambulances, and they had to reroute us and come way around. And we came into the house, and when we walked into the house, the phone was ringing. It said my husband went into the uh, that room right there and answered the phone, and I went and did this and took care of that. And said, where is the world is he? She said I went into that room. And he was holding the telephone like this. He said, honey, she said, honey, what is the matter? She said, you know those ambulances and that fire truck? Our son was in an accident there. 33-year-old boy. She said, our son was there. Said the person on the phone had been there and had been right there and they heard Our boy's screaming. I'm going to hell. 
I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. I'll live to eternity. She said, our boy's in hell. Our 33-year-old boy died and went to hell. Preacher, good preacher. I remember preaching that funeral. That pastor sat behind me and wept and wept and wept and wept. Oh, why? Why would anyone want to go to hell? Why would anyone want to hold on to the nothing that you have? and eliminate all the blessings of God in this life and heaven on top of it. It's terrible. Now, there's a wonderful little statement here, and I like it. There in, oh, verse number 15 of our chapter, talks about those that won't go to hell. He that walketh righteously, speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of oppressions, that shaketh his hands from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood, and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil, he shall dwell on high. And his place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks, and bread shall be given him, his waters shall be sure. Thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty, and shall behold the land that is very far off. What a wonderful hope a child of God has. Or you can be like the people there in Zechariah 7. They stopped their ears. They stuck their fingers in their ears. They didn't pay any attention. They pulled their shoulder away. They said, I don't, I don't want to listen to that. I, I don't want to hear that. And their hearts became as stone. I was in a church service maybe a decade ago now. An old preacher was preaching in the meeting along with me. And he gave an anecdote from his youth. It was before he was saved. He was about 20. He had just been married. He and his wife had set up housekeeping in a little country home. And uh, one night he heard the fire engines and all that. And he could see about, oh, maybe a quarter of a mile, maybe a little bit farther than that down the road. He could see the flames. He could see the smoke. There was a house fire. And he got dressed and went down the road. The house was engulfed in flames. The firefighters, they had arrived, and, but they'd gotten there so late that really it was down to just ashes. The place had burnt to the ground. There were a couple of bodies wrapped in blankets. And uh, one of the firemen, probably the fire chief, came to this young man lost. He's lost. He said, do you know the people that lived here? He said, yeah, I, I did. Not well, but I know them. He said, do you know how many people? Yes, there was a, a, a husband and a wife and, and a little girl. He said, but I, 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 the man's... Uh, the man's not here. He drives over the road, uh, truck driver. He, he's not here. I know he's not here. 
And they said, uh, if you uh, would, young man, we, we have to identify the bodies that I don't, want, I don't want you to see the mother's body. But if you could look at this little girl and tell if this is who inhabits this home. And so they pulled back a little bit of the coverings over the two bodies, and he saw the child, this little seven, eight-year-old girl. She, he said she looked like she was asleep. There wasn't any burns on her. There was no marks on her. There was nothing. They said, now again, we don't want you to see the mother. But in closing up the little girl, a blanket fell off. And he saw the charred remains of that mother. Blackened and burnt and disfigured. He said, I never forgot it. Never forgot it. He said, I asked the firemen, well, how could the mother be like that and the, he, he was so stunned and really he had he sat down just right on the ground and they came to him because they knew he was so greatly he said how how could that little girl look like she's fine the fireman said well we, what we think and we could tell by what was there that that mother must have gone to the bathtub and filled up the bathtub ran some water and got some blankets, soaked them, maybe some towels and soaked them. And she came out, she, the best she could, she was in that fire, she came, and she wrapped those soaking wet blankets around her and around her little girl. And her body protected her child trying to keep her alive. I'll tell you something, sinner. That's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. His body was soaked in his own blood that was shed on Calvary. For you and for me. For the whole world out there. He wants to wrap you up tonight and take you to heaven. He wants to let you know that your sins can be forgiven. He wants you to walk out of this building tonight knowing that they have been forgiven. That salvation is yours. Eternity in heaven is guaranteed by the sacrifice that Jesus made on Calvary in our place. He died for us. He suffered for us. He paid the price, the ransom. He paid the gift, the grace, that God demanded for sinners like you and me. I've given my testimony here probably more than once. I'm not going to give great detail tonight. But I didn't get saved till I was nearly 21 years old. I grew up in church. I heard great preachers. I heard some of the greatest preachers this world's ever produced in my youth. I heard Dr. Bob Jones Sr. when I was a 16, 17-year-old boy preach at my father's church. All kinds of preachers, country preachers, city preachers, famous preachers come through that pulpit and preach. Hearing preaching and doing nothing about it is not going to do you 
any good. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But you've got to do something about what you heard. You're not a Christian, you ought to become one. I thank the dear Lord that I got under Holy Ghost conviction. It's pretty hard to describe conviction, but it's pretty easy to know when you're under conviction. And I was under conviction, and thank God I came to Christ 2.30 in the morning, the 15th day of March, 1970. I got born again. God radically changed my life. I became a new creature in Christ Jesus, and old things passed away, and behold, all things became new. I wouldn't even go into detail tonight how I knew that all that happened. But a lot of things changed in my life. I don't think anybody has to be saved exactly like I got saved. I don't think there's a person, in, I don't think anybody else ever got saved at 2124 Lawana Drive in Lansing, Michigan, down beside that little bit that I got saved at. But I tell you, friends, you better get saved because hell is just as real as the pew you are sitting in and the church house you're in tonight. Hell is real. There are multiplied billions in hell tonight. If I were you, I wouldn't go. If I were you, I'd get saved. You say, well, I made a profession one time. If it was only a profession... I'd make a possession. I would walk out of this building tonight knowing that I know, that I know, that I know, that I know I've been born again. 